time for our second hour roundtable on America Can We Talk with Debbie Georgiatis. More talking truth about America. And hey there, welcome back. And again, thanks for tuning in. My Right View Roundtable tonight, I have Mari Sullivan and a new Right View Roundtable person joining us, Missy Shorey. And at the top of the second hour, we always have a Right View Roundtable question. This has a lot of depth to it, so it's going to end up being more than one segment. But I want to talk about the situation where Donald Trump finds himself in today in June of 2017, where he there's a special counsel who's uh, been named and uh, Mr. Mueller. I know it's spelled Mueller, but it's pronounced Mueller. And he is investigating the, um, you know, something vague. I'll tell you in a moment what it is, a Trump-Russia collusion story. And the situation has become very, very serious for Donald Trump because uh, I'll just lay that my question is going to be, you know, ladies, what do you think he should do? But he has certain people who've been advocate. Mr. Trump, Donald Trump has had advocates who have been saying, you know, you just have to fire this special counsel. This is just a witch hunt. And I would agree with Donald Trump's characterization. This is a pure, straight out witch hunt. Having said that. He could fire. Uh, special uh, investigator Mueller, he could, special counsel Mueller, he could say, you know what, I've had it. The FBI has been looking into this for a year. There's nothing, you know, nothing's been uncovered in terms of wrongdoing on my part. And uh, and he and he could ask Rod Rosenstein, the, the deputy attorney general who appointed Mueller, to fire him. Of course, shades of Watergate come up. On the other hand, recognize, we were talking about at the outset of the show, how the Democrat um, you know, Trump derangement syndrome is epidemic in this country. And there are many people who actually I saw a poll. 61 percent of Democrats believe that Trump somehow stole the election. That was a Rasmussen poll. 61 percent of Democrats think that. So they 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 have people worked into a lather. They think he's going to be removed somehow. There's no factual basis for claiming that Trump did something wrong with the Russians. But if he lets Mueller go on and on, if 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 history is any lesson at all, Mueller is not investigating to see what he can discover in a truthful way. He's looking until he finds something to charge someone with. And, you know, the midterm elections will be here before we know it. They're whatever that is, 14, 16 months away in November of next year. You know, the the Democrats are salivating with the vision that somehow Mueller will investigate, investigate, dribs and drabs, find something. He'll have a cloud of, of doubt over Trump during his first two years of his presidency. Democrats will get a majority in the House in 2018 and then say that they this is their vision. Mueller will come back and lo and behold, he found something horrible and they'll move for impeachment and there'll be a, a Democrat majority in Congress. This is what the Democrats think will happen. So that's one scenario. On the other hand, if Trump were to fire Mueller and I mean, that would be a firestorm. I mean, the media, the Democrats would go out of their minds. So he's in a very hard place. So I just, I don't know who wants to go first, but what do you think you should do? Should he fire Mueller now? What's his strategy to deal with this? Uh, at this point, I do not think he should uh, fire Mueller, and I'll tell you why. I think the Dems have created a very poisonous narrative that Trump colluded with the Russians to steal the election from Hillary to stop Trump. And the Dems may have gone too far this time. I read a very interesting article by Andy McCarthy. I know you and Missy admire him as much as I do, the lawyer that— you know, uh, National prosecuted Review, yeah. the, the, the blind sheik and brought him down for the terrorism attack on the World Trade Center. And he writes for National Review. He wrote an article in March of this year. Democrats know the election was legitimate. Democrats know the election was legitimate, but persist in a dangerous fraud. The dangerous fraud, 
that there is collusion and Trump was part of stealing the election and working with the Russians. That is extremely dangerous. Now, this fires up the base, uh, the Democrat base, this whole collusion, Trump stealing the election from Hillary. And the basic thrust of it is to destroy Trump and his presidency and his chances at reelection. They don't want him to be in the White House. They don't want him to be effective now or win the White House in 2020. And Debbie, as you said, let's remember some important things. There's no evidence of Trump collusion, no evidence of obstruction, and the FBI Director Comey is one of the leakers. What we hear every day from the media is stories based on what? Anonymous anonymous sources and leaks. Those aren't facts. You can make up anything. The WAPAW story, the Washington Post story that came out, was Trump is under an investigation for obstruction of justice. This paper happens to be owned by Jeff Bezos of Amazon, who is a big Hillary supporter. I mean, they're, 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 they're so liberal. And Trump is up against the Dems and this noxious, poisonous narrative that he has stolen the, the, the election from Hillary and the Dems with the media are going to play it to the end. It's so bad that there's a joke on the Internet that if Trump could walk on water, could walk on water, the Dem, the media banner would be the guy can't swim. And that's what he's up against. Nobody's in his favor. No doubt he's up against that. But do you think he's smarter to, to let Mueller stay in place? Absolutely. You're, okay. I think the Dems are going to be proven very wrong in this in this witch hunt. You think Mueller's going to find nothing to prosecute? I really do. I think that is a very definite possibility. You know what we are? We uh, got. Go- I my question took too long. I'm sorry. This is the shortest segment on this entire two hour show. So we come back from our break. Missy can answer the question. Love what to. should do? Because I have a long answer about it too. This is very complex and very challenging, and it's really challenging, really, to the whole country and to the people who voted for Trump and to the people in Washington who aren't helping him too much. So we come back. We'll finish talking about Mueller and Trump. Come right back. Could you lose your career because of your faith? Could your pastor be sued because of his sermons? Can students and teachers be punished because of what they believe about God? Can the government or even your employer force you to violate your beliefs? Get the answers and, if necessary, legal protection from First Liberty Institute. First Liberty is the nation's largest legal organization dedicated exclusively to restoring religious freedom in America. In fact, First Liberty's nationwide network of top attorneys win over 90% of their cases. They've won at the Supreme Court all the way down to local schools. Visit firstliberty.org to learn more about how First Liberty is protecting religious freedom for all Americans in the workplace, public schools, your church, the military, and more. That's firstliberty.org. If you want hope for religious freedom and a free listing of your rights, go to firstliberty.org now. 
Attention Ronald Reagan fans. What is the one item most sought after by Americans who love the Gipper? It's Young America's Foundation's Reagan Ranch Calendar. Young America's Foundation is the leading youth outreach organization dedicated to ensuring that increasing numbers of young Americans understand and are inspired by the ideas of individual freedom, a strong national defense, free enterprise, and traditional values. New audiences of young people across the country are introduced to conservative ideas through Young America's Foundation's programs, including the Reagan Ranch Program. The Reagan Ranch calendar contains spectacular images of the Gipper enjoying his beautiful 688-acre ranch, the Western White House. For a limited time, the calendar is free. Even shipping is free. To receive your beautiful Reagan Ranch calendar from Young America's Foundation, call 800-USA-1776 and mention the phrase Reagan Gift. Again, the number is 1-800-USA-1776 and Reagan Gift is the code. Learn more about Young America's Foundation at www.yaf.org. That's yaf.org. The National Center for Policy Analysis brings together the best and brightest minds to tackle the country's most difficult public policy problems in health care, taxes, retirement, education, energy, and now national security. The NCPA works to develop and promote private free market alternatives to government regulation and control, solving problems by relying on the strength of competition in the private sector. As America's think tank, the NCPA wants to make sure you have access to simple, clear solutions to the issues that matter to you. Come get to know the NCPA at one of their events and join the conversation by following them on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. To get policy solutions delivered straight to your inbox, sign up for the NCPA free email newsletter or subscribe to one of their policy blogs. To get involved with America's Think Tank, go online today to ncpa.org. The NCPA would love your support and you'll love being part of the solutions to America's challenges. So go to ncpa.org. That's ncpa.org. America faces unprecedented threats to our national security. The Center for Security Policy, based in Washington, D.C., is a national leader focused on the organization, management, and direction of public policy coalitions to promote U.S. national security. The Center is a special forces in the war of ideas dedicated to identifying opportunities and challenges likely to affect American security and acting promptly to ensure that they are the subject of focused national examination and effective action. The Center enlists support from executive branch officials, key legislators, and other public policy organizations and brings these teams together to develop and shape policies that will keep America safe. Check out centerforsecuritypolicy.org for the latest news and developments brought to you by America's leading security experts. Becoming and remaining informed is one of the best ways every citizen can be a part of the mission to keep America safe. That's centerforsecuritypolicy.org. Welcome back. Okay, we get so carried away. I'll tell you, this is so fun to do the show in person. I love being at the studio. And we get carried away in the break. In fact, it's kind of funny because everyone who's been on my roundtable um, is a friend with whom I've done many political things. And so whether we're in the studio or we're just like talking on the phone, we're kind of talking politics. But I want to go back. The Right View Roundtable, top of the hour question was about what Trump should do about Mueller. And uh, Mari had a great and, and substantive answer and Missy's turn. So what should he do? So I'm going to put on my, my PR hat because you ladies are lawyers. So let's come at it from a different angle. No, absolutely not. It's PR suicide to fire Mueller. Whether you like it, whether it's right, whether it's wrong, whether it's a witch hunt, which it utterly is. Instead, you need to define it. You need to go through this with a winning strategy 
and you need to do it while executing in total parallel a winning strategy where the American people are the biggest winners of all. Here's how. Number one, you go in there and you remind everyone, you know, it's funny. What's the first thing that seems to pop up in Comey's mind is I decided to leak a memo. You know what? That's not the first time that man's leaked. I mean, is, where's the outrage on that? He's, a, he's literally a pro-leaker. Well, guess who he hangs out with? Mueller. Fitzgerald. These guys are people who are literally elite enforcers who do nothing but try and mend the world to their worldview by any means possible. Damn the law. And remember, this is all against the backdrop of impeach Trump at all costs. Forget the facts. That's what the Democrats are on. So we've got that background that we're walking into. So what the president needs to do is he needs to continue lawyering up. He's got a good legal team that we're beginning to hear more from. They're on literally the Sunday shows showing we are literally not being called into investigation. Okay? Now, why are they doing that? Because sometimes they're having to look and massage what happened to other president's tweets. As a PR professional, I must say, President, Pre- president Trump, please start tweeting strategically. We love that you have a direct channel to the American people. We love it. However, it's just kind of like the human brain. We're all using only like 10% of our full brain's capacity. You're only using 10% of Twitter's capacity because of how you're handling this, okay? Then you start calling out when it's unfair because the reality is this investigation will be nothing more than can we find something that we didn't even knew existed. That's it. They have no basis of fact, no crime, et cetera. Like you said, this is already extrajudicial. Now, in the meantime, what you need to do is I want the president to start doing where he goes out and says, here, I want you to meet my friend in Pennsylvania who's one of the 11,000 new coal workers. If you put that on his Twitter feed of a video of, thank you, Mr. Trump, for my new job, and here's my family, and here's my kids, and you put that out there, bingo. You need to have a story a day about a family a day. And you need to, in the meantime, have the president urge Congress to do tax reform, like you were saying, Debbie, And the key things, we want tax reform, we want tax cuts, we want regulatory rollbacks, and we want Congress to act. And you know what? President Trump can ask people, and they will call in and do this. And then we need to just literally 100 days of amazing progress. Right now, I'm looking at record highs on my phone of the stock market. Let's keep it rolling. We can. But if we sit here and react instead of lead, we will lose. And impeachment is not acceptable, and we'll end on this. I tell you, if there's any folks who are out there who are independents or Democrats still shaking their heads going, why in the world did this happen? I'll tell you how. When you'd invite me over to the cocktail party as your token conservative friend, I showed up and I did learn my manners as a child. So when you said outrageous things, I try to push back. But then you guys would get really yelling and the more drinks, the crazier it got. So you know what? People like me just didn't talk. We just smiled, went along and we voted. And that's what happened. Absolutely. You know, I love thinking of this question um, of what Trump should do about Mueller from all the different angles he has to consider. I do think, to uh, Missy's point, that the people who showed up and voted for Trump in overwhelming numbers, many of them didn't even want to tell their friends at the beauty parlor and the grocery <laughs> store. I mean, you know, they would whisper, I might vote for Trump. But, you know, they're, they're happy that he's in and they're watching this presidency get destroyed. I mean, this was the day after he was elected that some Democrats started saying he will not serve. He's not legitimate. I mean, the Democrats were talking well before the holidays about impeachment. Nothing had happened yet, but they're still talking about that. So I think that the voters who who just were galvanized by Trump's message of pro-America, pro-jobs, 
you know, pro-free market, bringing American businesses back, strengthening the border, protecting American citizens from the dangers of unvetted Islamic uh, potential terrorists, uh, building the wall, all of those things, and, and, and you know, bringing coal back, bringing industries back. All those Americans are looking at this saying, oh, my gosh, Trump is just getting sidelined. He's getting destroyed by the Democrat media mob, which is determined to take him down. So I do agree with Missy's point that he has to um, he has to be pushing on the issues he ran on, pointing out what he's trying to do. I'm still working on a health care bill. He's got to push on the issues. He's got to tout his successes. I actually do like in Twitter, and I think he should. I want him to begin to foment the sense of injustice in the American people. It is really at the core of this accusation, this frivolous hoax accusation against him about Russia. So I think he needs to begin. He's done a few of these, but just say, you know, it tweets about what Hillary, what her conduct during the time as Secretary of State. No investigation? Question mark. No special counsel? Question mark. You know, she she negotiated a deal to her benefit, so Russia has 20% of the American uranium assets. And uranium is used to make what again? Yeah, yeah, nuclear weapons. Okay, so she facilitates that? No special counsel? I mean, he needs to hammer home the injustice of this over and over and over and over and over and over and over. I wish that some people in the Congress would start retweeting some of these points. You know, the injustice, the, the, the sense of a witch hunt— be fabulous. So I think that and, and comparing his uh, what is happening to him with some of the conduct under President Obama, which we now know they actually did engage in this fast and furious, outrageous, illegal thing. Nothing happened. No special counsel. No nothing. And so he's got to make people. And this is a I mean, he's using witch hunt. I think he needs to use a word like that. This is a, you know, no basis at all. When Comey told him you know, Comey had this conversation. The, the one issue that's even the, uh, on the edge of a question was the February 14th conversation at the White House when Trump supposedly said to Comey, you know, I, I hope you can see we're clear not to pursue Lieutenant General Michael Flynn. OK, after that time. So he says that to him. OK, he says that Comey doesn't report it, doesn't complain. Comey testifies in Congress after that on March 20th. We are not investigating President Trump for anything. No, he is not the subject of a criminal investigation. He's not the subject of even of our surveillance investigation. He confirms that to Trump on March 30th. These are facts to keep tweeting out, tweeting out, tweeting out, pointing out that there is just no justice to this. And here instead, you had you had gun running by the U.S. government under Obama and Holder. Nothing. You have Hillary giving the Russians uranium. Nothing. Hillary doing pay to play as secretary of state. Nothing. And this is a non. This is now down to a non-existent, to a big nothing burger. But I'm. I mean, he needs to get the outrage factor. The other thing, I honestly, I I do think the Republicans in the Senate and the House are not helping him. They are just sitting back in their hands. At the very least, when Trump won, like the day after the election, the Dem- the Republicans should have sat around and said, "Okay, what's his agenda? What's our legislative plan? His top item is this. His next item is this. It prioritize them. Get the legislative ducks in a row and pushed it like nobody's business. They didn't do it, and they're still not doing it. So I'm okay with Trump starting to call out the leaders in the House and Senate. The Republicans leaders and saying, get on board with the agenda. Stop dragging your feet. Get this, get this Obamacare repeal done. I'm tired of waiting. I mean, he needs to, he needs to push them a little bit to say, you know, because he needs the American people to see I'm doing fine and I'm trying to get done what I promised that you voted for. And, and I think ultimately what you want them to do, him to do is accomplish is have the American voters say, you know what? I'm going to call my congressman after all and say, how come you're not helping here? I mean, I want members of Congress to ultimately stand up and call it a witch hunt, just like 
Trump is calling it. I mean, those members of Congress, they could decide, you know, we're going we're gonna to pass a sense of the House that, you know, Mueller has a conflict here. He's too close friends with Comey. He is, he is, he must recuse himself. He must step down as special counsel. Pass a house, a sense of the House resolution, a sense of the Senate resolution on that kind of issue. Mueller isn't qualified. He's got, he's biased because he's buddies with Comey. Pass another one that says, you know, a year is long enough. We're giving you a deadline to the FBI by this such and such date, you know, and, and, and you can, they can do all sorts of things to step up and show support for Trump and they don't do it. Another one is the House and Senate could both say, you know, this is enough. We've been investigating nothing. We're going to drop the House Select Intelligence Committee and the Senate Select Intelligence Committee. Both those committees were done investigating. There's nothing here, and we're not going to waste your time. We're going to focus on getting the president's agenda done. That would be a Congress standing up with the president. Debbie, I was just going to say, the piece that isn't ever covered by the media is all the problems the Dems have in their party. They've got big, big, big problems. They have not won anything since Trump became president. They've got a big divide between the elites that run the party and the radical base. And the people in the middle are saying, what happened to the Democrat Party? It's left me. Well, what those people are seeing is the real Democrat Party, and they don't like it. If you look at what the popularity is of the Democrat Party, it's lower by far than Mr. Trump. And the media's ratings are lower than both. And when we come back from the break, we'll talk about just that. The Republicans, I mean, we have troubles on our side. Democrats might be worse off. Don't go away. Let me tell you about the group Vice President Mike Pence called the most effective grassroots pro-life organization in America. It's the Susan B. Anthony list, and they're the ones who are on Capitol Hill right now, day in, day out, to fight back against Planned Parenthood and the abortion industry. Every day in our nation, abortion takes more than 2,000 innocent lives, almost two every single minute of every single day. And Planned Parenthood is the largest abortion business in the country, committing one-third of all abortions. It's an unspeakable tragedy and a stain upon our nation and our humanity. And it's up to us to do something about it. This is your opportunity to join the team that's leading the charge to end abortion. Go to sba-list.org or Google Susan B. Anthony List now to learn more and start saving lives today. Texans have a long tradition of independence, and we don't like being told what to do, especially by liberal bureaucrats 1,000 miles away. That's why for 30 years, the Dallas-based Institute for Policy Innovation has fought Washington's efforts to take more of your money and freedom. IPI works every day to keep taxes low and freedom high to promote free market health care, expand energy security, protect intellectual property, and combat onerous regulations that destroy American jobs. Politicians often talk smaller government, but then vote for more of it. By contrast, IPI has never veered from its mission to defend the Constitution and fight for freedom. If you want to be informed about free market policies and solutions, go to IPI's website and sign up. All of their information is free for sharing. Help IPI restore liberty and economic growth. 
Go to IPI.org today. That's IPI.org. One more time, go to IPI.org today. Hi, this is Debbie George Addis. On my radio show, we have the theme music by Krista Branch that has the refrain, I am America. I chose it because it summarizes what I think is a really important truth about America. We the people are America. We the people are blessed with extraordinary power in our country, and we have to use that power to keep America strong and free for everyone. And how do we do that? We have the responsibility to understand the issues facing our country, to get beyond soundbite and slogan politics. We have the responsibility when politicians propose solutions to understand, will those solutions preserve American-style freedom or slowly, incrementally destroy it? We have to vote once we are informed about the issues. But even more so, we have to speak up to our friends, our family members, to speak up in our daily life about the reality that we each have a responsibility and privilege to defend American-style freedom. This is Debbie Georgiatis on America Can We Talk. If there's one thing the conservative movement needs, it's a leader. And we have one, the Heritage Foundation. Hi, I'm Debbie Georgiatis. Heritage gets in the trenches on Capitol Hill. They promote principled solutions directly to lawmakers in Washington. And unlike politicians, they don't waver or compromise. But they're not a Washington institution. There are nearly a half million heritage members and supporters in America. And they're on a mission to grow that number and build the conservative base. You can become a heritage member by going to joinheritage.org today. I've been a member of Heritage myself for years. I have heritage experts on my show, and I rely on their analysis to get the facts out. As a member, you'll get updates from Heritage Foundation on the fight for conservative solutions to America's challenges. Plus, you'll receive exclusive invitations to conservative events where you live. So join the growing movement. Find out more at joinheritage.org. That's joinheritage.org. And welcome back. Okay, so we're on the break discussing this situation, so I want to go back to it a little more. I do want to get to the question of what's happening internally in the Democrat Party, because they have their problems, too. But this is such, such a uh, sticky wicket. It's such a complex situation, and there's just many factors to weigh. And I, I am fully aware that if Donald Trump just decided, as Roger Stone has suggested he should do, as other people have said, oh, just go ahead and fire Mueller. It's a witch hunt. The thing is, folks, it is a witch hunt. It is a completely baseless investigation. It's an investigation where Comey has said for months he's been investigating that on a year now and could find absolutely nothing about Trump colluding with the Russians. But here we are. We now have a special prosecutor. We have the Dems chomping at the bit. They've been chomping the bit from the day that Trump won the election. And so Trump has to tread this carefully because there's a legal question what he should do. There's a pragmatic political one. And to me, he's got to be focusing on what is exactly the picture going to be in November of 2018. How do I best position myself in November of 2018 so I can hold on to Republican majority in the House and I can, I mean, and, and so, and therefore, you know, Mueller's investigation falls apart because my sense of it is, and this is not just, you know, random meanness about Mueller. It is historical fact. I mean, special counsels do not feel like their goal is to investigate. And then the chance, let me say it this way, the chance that Mueller comes out and gives President 
Trump a clean bill of health on this investigation, in my view, is exactly zero. It's zero. He is going to say something was amiss. And you remember for impeachment, he doesn't have to. Mueller doesn't have to come up with a crime. He doesn't have to come up with a specific obstruction. He just has to come up with something that meets the standard for impeachment in the Constitution. And the Democrats are off and running. They play hardball. Republicans don't. And so, you know, I, to, to that end, I think Trump, he's got to try to, I love Missy's point, he's got to try to turn the conversation to accomplishments. He's got to be pushing his agenda. He's got to be showing, showing out the practical consequence of these great coal jobs and everything else he's accomplished. But, you know, it, I would not dismiss out of hand the idea at some point he has to fire Mueller. I think he could use better much better support from Congress if he had members of Congress and Senate supporting him and and tweeting out and retweeting and stuff and saying, yeah, this is crazy. This is a witch hunt. He needs some support. But to let it get to the point where there's a cloud of suspicion over his head still in November of 2018, he'll be be looking back to now and saying, I should have gotten rid of him then. Because if, if he can drag it out this long and find something else to investigate. By the way, did you realize that when they appoint a special counsel, this is what Mueller's uh, was specifically told, the executive or the order from Rod, Rod Rosenstein told him to investigate any links and or any coordination between the Russian government and individuals associated with, associated with the campaign of President Donald Trump. Folks, the federal law requires, if you appoint a special counsel, that there was evidence of a crime. This is a evidence-free situation. There's no evidence of any kind but the Republicans being the, I don't even know what now, wusses that we are, went ahead and succumbed to public pressure and appointed a special counsel when there was no evidence to start with. So I just, I'm very concerned that this, I mean, Trump doesn't have a clear path forward but I do think that he's got to be he's got to push the goodness of what he's trying to do. And he has to be open to the idea at some point we can't let this just sit over our heads until November of 2018 because the Democrats are going to run on this or already running on this. So we have corruption. We have and, 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 you know, then it's a lost cause. Well, absolutely. And here's the other thing. We need to look and see. Let's not forget what's going to happen tomorrow in the next couple of days. We have the election down in Georgia six. And this is going to be a test of, of what happens there, too. Okay, actually, we should talk about that because you're, uh, Missy is um, affiliated with, and I think you didn't get to say this, your introduction. I think I might have cut you short. I'm sorry if I did. But uh, Missy is also involved with the, okay, I lost the name of the group. No, it's Maggie's List. And Maggie's we List. are a leading organization that works to elect conservative women to the U.S. House and Senate. And we focus on folks who have got fiscal conservatives, strong national defense, more personal responsibility. And we just go in, find great candidates all over the country, support them, back them. Because remember, when you have amazing conservative women in Congress, that whole war on woman, women thing, you see what a hoax it is. It's completely pointless. So we're very passionate about it, as you can tell. And one of the races we're looking at is Georgia 6. Which is the seat that was vacated or that is currently not filled because of Tom Price being promoted up to HHS secretary. HHS, yeah. So now we have a woman, Karen Handel. Yes. And a guy, John Ossoff, something Ossoff. John Ossoff. Uh, who has, what is the number of millions of out-of-state out of donations? As of today, there was $40 million that has been spent on television. The last number of donations I heard as of last week was $23 million on his side. So this is the most expensive race in history, bar none. And let me also point a very important fact that Karen Handel talks about all the time. 97% of those donations come from out of state. This is a young man who doesn't even live in her district. He is the poster boy for 
Mr. Pajama Boy goes to Washington if he wins this deal. Yeah, and you know what's really troublesome is this is that same. It actually, it is kind of a theme here tonight. We talked about at the start of the show just the utter determination of the left to inspire everyone to think that, you know, your fellow Americans don't like you and we're the only ones and they're just, just introducing us rage and frustration and, and division in American society. And now you have this race where the Democrats are beside themselves that Trump won the presidency. They think they're entitled to take him out. They think they're entitled to take him out because he won. And now this is a this is considered a bellwether test, whether or not a Republican can win this seat that Tom Price won pretty handily, right? Yes, and he's, he's always had that. And before that, it was Newt Gingrich who held that seat. So this is a solid red area. And so they're really feeling, they're also looking at this in terms of some edu- education demographics, that the level of college education there will indicate that if, for, and it's high, it's a very wealthy area, that if they win this, that this means that every single educated American hates Trump as well. They're really trying to build this up. And then they're, of course, going to do the, well, he's 30 and didn't live in the district if he doesn't win. They're going to they're gonna play it either way. Yeah. And here's the important thing. Karen Handel, though, you know, she is not a boisterous, flamboyant person. She is a focused, serious leader. And Karen has a very strong track record as a former secretary of state of having job performance and also the work commission there where she had massive improvements that literally is bringing Georgia into the era that we want to see this brought back to the United States. This is the kind of growth that we want. And she's a great candidate for that. Well, I mean, I'm hoping as many people around the country are watching that election is just coming Tuesday. Yes, yes. Yeah, so yes. it's just a couple of days away, and Democrats are just, they want this to be a referendum on Trump. That's exactly. the whole notion. If, if Trump's, if the Democrat can win in a fairly solid red district that Newt Gingrich represented and Tom Price did, that, that they are taking that as a signal. So it, it's a very big race. A lot of eyes on that. I don't know how it's going to come out. I, I certainly wish her the best, but I'm, you know, it, it's a tough, tough race. I mean, the Democrats are acting like this is... You know, it's kind of their uh, hill to die on or something right now. Well, and it's they're worried. We were talking a little bit earlier. Um, this could be a bellwether moment for them. Let's not forget 1993. In 1993, what did you see? The Virginia governor's race went to Republicans. The Newark mayoral race went to Republicans. And there were a number of these. And that was the little trigger point that a lot of people, when you look at history, now see for the 1994 Republican Revolution. And so we want to take this very seriously. And I urge any conservatives that are out there thinking, maybe I'm going to hold out or maybe I'm going to everyone get to the polls because it is not the money outside of the district that matters. It's the voters in the district. That's right. I did watch their June 2nd uh, uh, debate uh, between Karen and John Ossoff. I thought he came across as very smug and condescending to her where she had very crisp answers, very passionate. Her number one thing is taxes, lower taxes and create jobs. His number one thing when he asked about it was voting rights and making sure that everybody can vote. That is the typical, you know, signal to the Dem base that you can't trust the Republicans. They'll take your vote away. He is about as independent from Nancy Pelosi as (laughs) I can. What would be an example of being completely not independent? There are no independent puppet. Well, they all the Democrats Vote and lockstep. Okay. So you know what I think on this point we're talking about? I mean, it's just a very interesting time in America. Honestly, I think in November when we when Republicans realized, wow, we have the majority in the House and the Senate and the presidency, we really thought, you know, the agenda of Trump was going to be pushed along. I mean, maybe it wasn't people's first choice, some people's first choice in the primary, and certainly his personality was very different from other past presidents. But people had enthusiasm, and I think there's just a real— um, I think in Washington, people get in a bubble, and I so I, 
I think they aren't always as tuned into what the American people are thinking um, as they should be. And so I just want to share some polling because I really do think that, you know, despite all the media attacks on Trump and all the Comey attacks and all the Democrat attacks on and on and on, very recent Rasmussen polling, he's polling at 50 percent popularity, Trump. And so the people, to your point much earlier, Mari, and I think both of you were saying, the people know what they wanted. They wanted Trump to get there and do what they elect him to do. So he's at 50%. The uh, Congress is at 20 So people in Congress, I mean, they think they're, they're sitting back smug and letting him, but, you know, the people see it. And the people, this is what I want some, Trump to somehow tap into, tap into that support from the people. And we've got to go to a break. When we're back, we'll talk to you some more about America. Don't go away. On August 2nd, 2006, Debbie Lee was notified that her son, Mark Allen Lee, had been killed, becoming the first Navy SEAL to lose his life in Iraq. She had no choice about the news that was given to her, but she did have a choice how she responded. In response to her son's amazing last letter, she founded America's Mighty Warriors to honor the sacrifices of our troops, the fallen, and their families by providing programs that improve quality of life, resiliency, and recovery. Whether America's Mighty Warriors is hosting retreats for families of the fallen, helping heroes heal who are struggling with traumatic brain injury or post-traumatic stress disorder, providing relaxation at the Heroes Hope Home, stepping in when an injustice is committed, or doing random acts of kindness. As Mark mentioned in his letter, they know the price of freedom and who pays it. Our troops and families of the fallen need your support. Visit americasmightywarriors.org today to learn more. That's americasmightywarriors.org. Our nation faces a choice. The path of big government based out of Washington or the unique brand of liberty and prosperity enjoyed here in Texas. For 27 years, the Texas Public Policy Foundation has helped leaders in the Lone Star State prove that fiscal restraint and small government can deliver opportunity and prosperity for all. The Texas Public Policy Foundation promotes and defends solutions here and around the country based on liberty, free enterprise, and personal responsibility. Whether informing the national debate on property rights energy, taxes, education, or criminal justice, the foundation works to translate ideas into real change. The Texas Public Policy Foundation does not accept government funds or contributions to influence the outcome of its research. It is supported by thousands of people like you who are concerned about the future of our country. You can help Texas remain strong as the beacon of liberty in America. Visit TexasPolicy.com to learn more. Hi, this is Debbie George Addis. On my radio show, we have the theme music by Krista Branch that has the refrain, I am America. I chose it because it summarizes what I think is a really important truth about America. We the people are America. We the people are blessed with extraordinary power in our country, and we have to use that power to keep America strong and free for everyone. And how do we do that? We have the responsibility to understand the issues facing our country to get beyond soundbite and slogan politics. We have the responsibility when politicians propose solutions to understand, will those solutions preserve American-style freedom or slowly, incrementally destroy it? 
We have to vote once we are informed about the issues. But even more so, we have to speak up to our friends, our family members, to speak up in our daily life about the reality that we each have a responsibility and privilege to defend American-style freedom. This is Debbie Georgiatis on America Can We Talk. Do you know that one in nearly five United States residents lives in an immigrant household? That we take in more than one million new legal immigrants every year? Studying the impact of federal immigration program is the mission of the Center for Immigration Studies, the nation's only think tank looking at the broad national effect of immigration policy. Whether it's on crime, welfare, national security, or the job market, CIS digs out information about immigration from government sources, translates it into English, and makes it available to the public, the news media, and policymakers in Washington. Check out its work at CIS.org. CIS makes the case for better enforcement against illegal immigration and lower levels of legal immigration in the future. Most other special interest groups pursue the opposite. The only thing standing between them and open borders is an informed public. Get informed and stay informed by visiting CIS.org. That's CIS.org. And welcome back to America Can We Talk. This is, as I always say, the fastest two hours of my week and the funnest two hours. I'm so glad you've tuned in. We're still going to talk about a few more issues, but I want to take a moment and thank the sponsor of this show. GC Works is a Dallas-based company that performs research in advanced technology and delivers innovative approaches to the oil and gas industry. Could not do the show without them. Thank you so much to GC Works. Okay, so we've been on this kind of mess that Donald Trump finds himself in, and sometimes we were just all talking in the break how— Sometimes you have to step back and realize he's actually accomplished some things. I mean, you know, everyone says, yeah, the Gorsuch thing, but that was just one thing. And that is, I mean, that was a huge thing, but just one. He had uh, 10, 11 judges nominated last month to fill this, I think it's 120 positions open in the federal judiciary, 11 more nominees this month. He gets that. I mean, the reason that his— Good conservative nominees, Debbie. Yeah. A number one. And the reason that his executive orders are being struck down is because the federal courts are filled with Obama appointee judges who do not follow the law, who actually behave a lot like many in the left, which is they just get to decide what they want. And that becomes the law. They absolutely ignore federal law and federal Supreme Court jurisprudence on point and, and rule what they want to do. So, I mean, this is a big thing he's doing. He also had a tweet out this week that they passed the Department of Veteran Affairs Accountability and Whistleblower Act. And he's basically is to enhance accountability at the Veterans Administration. Big, big thing he ran on. And then we need to get a chance to talk about, we were talking with Steve Moore earlier, um, the economist from Heritage Foundation, but he had a great piece out about the coal industry. I mean, that was a huge thing. Hillary and the Dems were more or less promising, we're going to shut you down, you all be jobless. And Trump said during the campaign, I'm going to bring coal jobs back. And what was amazing is not only did they bring coal jobs back, but they have two coal companies that were in bankruptcy, have now emerged out of bankruptcy, are functioning again. And America has, and I'm not going to be able to find it fast enough, but it's coal is a huge industry in America. I mean, it was it's something like still provides one third of all the power produced in America is from coal. You can't turn on a light. You can't start a car. You can't do anything in business without cheap clean energy. It's the foundation of the economic engines of prosperity. And your electricity in your home is generated by coal. Only 10% of the energy now is currently overall, and the overall energy mix is generated by alternative energy. And again, 
That's great. I mean, we in Texas are one of the leaders in wind. Let's point that out. And so, but let me, I always say this. I'm looking forward to the day when our friends in renewable can compete on a full open market and don't have to be cradled along. Now, if, it, if it's in our strategic interest to develop that differently, then so be it. That's our right as Americans. But I just want to point out, this is a country where we have, you know, coal and coal and oil and gas function on the open market without any support, and they are extraordinary job creators for us, something we're quite That's passionate right. about. They really are. I was quick trying to grab that article that was, um, in fact, I'll take a moment again to thank, we had Steve Moore join us tonight, who's just a really, a brilliant economist, and he makes a... Economics seem like it's just plain English, or he puts it in plain English, but he had an article about the coal industry. And one reason it was just so important to recognize it was one of those Trump promises. I can't see that from here. I've got it for you, Debbie, on the screen if you like it. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I want okay. to pipe in here. He, oh, he also opened up the Keystone Pipeline. Yes. That was another campaign promise yeah, that he has kept. The one that was great, uh, really, uh, uh, or the great fact about this coal industry thing was because when he was talking about during the campaign, Hillary and the Dems said, coal is dead in this country. It'll never come back. You Forget it. And this kind of spirit of Donald Trump, it did bring it back. So we have the coal industry. You know, they actually had um, Obama and the Sierra Club trying to kill the coal industry for with regulations, which have largely been pulled back because they they weren't needed. They were just, and, and actually the other thing about coal is right now what we really have is clean coal. The, the emissions that are anything dangerous related to coal production are like down over 50%, some down by 90%. So you know, the, the whole picture that the Hollywood uh, tries to paint of coal as being so dangerous and dark and yucky. The truth is, it's clean coal energy that America needs, and Trump has brought jobs back. And we Texans are at the forefront of it. I was mentioning before the show, we're actually capturing carbon emissions and then being able to use them in, droil, in oil drilling in West Texas and in fracking. Technology. There's a way to solve problems if we let creativity, productivity, and innovation free. That's called free markets and free enterprise. Well, I love that that Trump was able really to uh, just kind of put it right to the Dems and bring the coal industry back and, and through regulation and through just sheer energy of encouraging reduction of regulation, reduction of taxes, inspiring jobs. Another thing he did this week I don't want to fail to hit on was he took a big swipe at the situation with Cuba. He took a big swipe. You know, Donald Trump just said during his campaign, he made comments about my my friends in the Cuban community in Florida. And, you know, the Cuban community in Florida is very aware of how evil uh, communism is in Cuba, how people are suffering there, how you have no freedom of speech, that dissidents are regularly locked up and beaten and can't see and never seen again. So, you know, when Obama opened up to Cuba, that was that was kind of hailed as a, wow, a progressive move, you know, getting rid of 50 years of failed policy. But the truth was, Obama didn't require anything of the Cubans. He didn't say, we'll open up tourism, we'll drop the embargo, and in exchange, you need to release all your political prisoners. You need to recognize the right of other political parties to exist. You need to free. You need to stop randomly arresting, you know, dissidents and musicians and artists and people who do things you don't like. He didn't insist on anything. So all that's happened since Obama opened it up was more money goes to Cuba. The embargo is lifted, and the money, as it never ha- as has been true of Cuba and all communist countries, the money ends up in the pockets of the government and the military, and the poor, starving people are still the poorest driving people. So Trump got a commendation. I wanted to just, I, I love this. There's a group, uh, the Ladies 
in white. Yes. Yeah, in Cuba. I love I know. They march on Sundays. They're phenomenal. (laughs) Yeah. And and they essentially, they're marching to say they have husbands and sons and fathers and brothers who are locked up by the Fidel Castro, now it's Raul Castro, locked up in Cuba, and they want attention to it. They want to say, we have political prisoners here being tortured. Come on, get with us. And so they issued a statement. I mean, I'm not going to cry on air because it's very unprofessional, but they wrote the sweetest statement. Uh, This is by um, the ladies in white wrote an open letter to Trump just saying thank you so much. And they even said we went to Cuba with President Obama. And we told him, we told him this wasn't going to work. You cannot give all of this back to Cuba without making any demands. But as any good liberal, uh, as Obama was, you know, gave away the farm and demanded nothing. And so, therefore, he got nothing. Let me also say, Debbie, hopefully the young people in this country are reading this story about real oppression and comparing it to the freedoms that we have in this country. We go about our business every day because we have laws that protect all people and their property so we can pursue our dreams and visions. That is a 180 from the way people live in Cuba and a lot of other places in the world. And once young people start to educate themselves and understand what a great opportunity they should be grateful every day that they wake up in this great country. They just have to learn about the greatness of this country. They have to learn. We used to use the expression to show the building blocks of America. You have to know why it's great. Because if you don't understand, then you make mistakes in policies and decisions because you don't think it should, you don't recognize why it matters. On the Cuba thing, I'll tell you real quickly, and I think that Misty was going to say something too, but this woman who wrote this story, this uh, Ladies in White, she talked about having told Obama you know, you can't just go there and give them everything and not demand anything. And she said, unfortunately, I was right. So she talked about uh, taking advantage of the lack of pressure from the United States. The Castro regime, after this stupid Obama deal, increased repressive actions to levels not seen since the Black Spring of 2003, when 75 peaceful dissidents were sentenced to terms of imprisonment up to 25 years. That was when their organization, Damas de Blanco, Women and Women in White, uh, was born to fight for the release of our husbands, our fathers, our sons. So she talked about naturally repressive governments like Castro and Cuba increased repression once there was no force coming from America against them. That's absolutely true. And also along what you were saying earlier, Mari, let's not forget in North Carolina, excuse me, in North Carolina. Clearly, the South is on my mind with the elections <laughs> coming up. But in North Korea, we have Otto Weimer, who came back this week in a coma. Now we're finding out daily beatings for the audacity of tearing down a poster of a madman. That is what real evil is. The fact that it exists in the Western Hemisphere is utterly unacceptable. And the fact that you have a madman running a country over there that went unchecked under Clinton, went un- and literally pacified pacified. This is what the left sees for us, and we're supposed to go along to get along. And that's why conversations like this are so important. I don't mean to take us to a new topic, but he's been on my mind. I've been praying for him, and I hope that we all pray for him because he's, you never know. Miracles can happen. He's on a yeah. North Korea because of one man. That's right. Donald Trump. And and his family said so. And, oh, yeah. and his- Vice President Pence being there, I believe there was a linkage there. And who knows? Maybe Dennis has some, has some, Dennis Rodman has some pull. <laughs> we'll see. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, on, on the subject of this young man, Otto Warmbier, uh, I think it's how you say it. Otto, yes. Okay, Otto. He, um, 
you know, part of what I thought the time it occurred, and, you know, the quickest of stories is he went there on some youth group tour or something, and he was in a hotel, and the security camera caught him removing a poster from the wall of, I think it was of Kim Jong-un, the, the dad of the yes. current um, dictator. And um, for that, you know, it was a, it was considered, I mean, it was, he was charged with some horrible crime, and it, just a complete joke of a legal system, and tried and convicted. What I want to get at was, you know, you talk about in education in America, why? I mean, I, I know not to go to North Korea. I, I do get this. But I, you talk about edu- our education system that would leave some young man so ignorant. That, and I'm not blaming and mad at him because, you know, whatever reason he had to go. But we don't teach the goodness of America. And we don't honestly teach how bad some of the bad guys in the world are. This had never occurred to him that he might come back. Well, that he wouldn't come back at all. And so now where we are, he was released this past week. He's been in a coma for a year or something like that. I mean, it's a very dangerous, very dark situation. And, you know, as we were talking about at home, I don't think the health care system for the wealthiest of people in North Korea is very good. Imagine the quality they give to a prisoner. I mean, I, mean, the guy, I, I, I hope, I, I do believe in prayer. I, I deeply hope he can emerge from this and really go on a speaking tour and telling young people why you really don't want to go to Cuba. So, okay, we're unfortunately, this happens every two weeks. We out of time before we're out of topics. We could definitely talk for a few hours more. But um, this mean guy in there in the Greg, who's a wonderful board operator, is about to start making music while I'm trying to talk. So I want to quick just say thank you so very much to our guest. Loved having Steve Moore on tonight. Thank you very much for Mari Sullivan and Missy Shorey for joining me. Love having you tune in. Come, go to our website, americacomingtalk.org. All the links are up, the things we talk about. Our Facebook page, very active. Follow me on Twitter at Debbie Can we Talk and join the conversation about preserving America. And tune in every week. We talk truth about America. Thank you for listening to America Can We Talk with Debbie Georgiatis. To learn more or to contact Debbie, go to americacanwetalk.org. America Can We Talk, truth about America.